Welcome to Preston's Super Show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me. What a time. What a great time. And we have a lot to uh, break down with Star Trek Discovery season finale, episode 13, Coming Home. And uh, then we go into Star Trek Picard episode 3, Assimilation. And I give you both those reviews right here on the Super Show. But I also have three very, very important headlines that I want to share with you. Um, and that will round out the show for today. Um, and, and let's have some fun. Let's have a lot of fun here. I also have a message at the end of the show I'd like to share. So hang tight. Hang tight. Because we're, we're going to get there together. Uh, let's start where uh, where we left off uh, on the right foot last episode. So we're going to start off on the right foot. That's what we want to do today. Um, we're going to start with Star Trek Discovery and Picard drop their new episodes on the same day again. Discovery's fourth season uh, is coming to a close. Uh, Picard is just getting started. It's a great time to be alive for Star Trek fans. Uh, this is the season finale of Discovery. Episode 13 coming home. And that's the standard today. If it goes longer than 13 episodes, it's a, it's a pretty good show in a season. Or that season's pretty good, I should say. This episode picks up right where we left off. Uh, as a lot of them do, Captain Burnham's head is spinning at what to do. Species 10C is rightfully ticked off after Dr. Tarka continues his plan to destroy the DMA, uncloaking and revealing his ship uh, headed for destruction. General Endoy is caught red-handed, helping Booker, and is uh, confined to her quarters. However, that won't be the last time we see her. Okay, uh, the scene is a little bizarre. As she gives herself up rather easily after fighting so hard to help Book and Tarka. It just seemed weird. Book's change of heart seems to breathe through her as well. So maybe that is the key. Time is of the essence for Discovery's crew. This is a really emotional episode. It hits you pretty early on. And pretty early on. The emotions are going. They're trying to get the tears going. Uh, by the end, you are a little bit over the sappiness, I would say. I think we, we can all agree on that. Can I get an amen? I understand that there were a lot of relationships blossoming and fermenting and that the emotional structure of the episode had to be present. And, and this was the vibe uh, the cast gave us. This was the vibe. The writers wanted to portray, I believe. I didn't think it would be so prominent throughout the episode. Commander Reno, Booker, and General Endoy are going to go down as the heroes of this episode. Rightfully so. Endoy offers her skills up to fly a plane and knock Tarka's ship off track from destroying the DMA. People do die in this episode, but you will have to watch to find out if they actually stay dead. Um, seems to be another theme in this show. We'll get to that. I did enjoy getting a good look at uh, the Species 10C. 
um, monstrous uh, beings. One thing I have always been on the fence about was characters being killed off, then resurrected, brought back all of a sudden. This show was actually done it a few times. Um, let me know your thoughts in the comment section after you see this episode about that. The ending was pretty neat with Stacey Abrams showing up. I'm not going to, you know, give a big round of applause for it or anything. I'm not the biggest fan of her, but Star Trek is notorious for bringing on liberals. Um, I have no grudge against her. You know, she's a career politician. And a lot of people don't even know that. From 2007 to 2017, uh, she served in the Georgia House of Representatives. Um, being the United Earth president was honestly weak. Um, but it's just a cameo appearance. Is this a prelude to her 2024 presidential campaign? Time will tell, uh, but I believe so. And in the, uh, in the coming months and in the coming year, we'll see. This is a three-star episode, okay? My favorite character in this episode was Tilly. I can't go without mentioning how much I missed her presence uh, on the show. Her drinking whiskey with Admiral Vance was very fitting. We get a, you know, a good, a good, um, into the show, a happy ending to the show. Hopefully we get a season five, uh, with a new story arc from what I read. It's scheduled for 10 episodes. We will see if that comes to fruition. Moving on to Star Trek Picard. Episode 3, Assimilation. This was a great episode for Picard. It had its up and downs. There's really a lot to unpack in this episode. So let's start with uh, first things first. Let's just keep it simple. You know what I mean? Picard Episode 3, Assimilation starts off way better and hits harder than Discovery Season Finale. That was surprising. Um, shows the level of where the writers and cast are ready to take this show to. Since Q altered uh, time, Picard's crew has to find the Watcher, who will help reverse the damage that has been done. Hopefully. They're in the year 2024, but should be light years in the future. Uh, this episode is handling three storylines in one episode, but all three relate to the end game. Um, giving credit where credit is due, it is handled quite well because the pace is steady and picks up quite a bit throughout the episode and, uh, ends on a cliffhanger in a way. There's two real crucial situations happening in this episode, maybe three. There is a lot of suspense. Uh, one is Picard and Agnes Gerardi getting into the Borg Queen's head. Sparing you all the details. Uh, I don't like how the Borg Queen gets loose. Because she literally tips over when they get the ship gets hit. Like you all didn't have the killer psychomaniac strapped down. Seemed amateurish. However, in defense of that scene. It would be hard to give Picard and Agnes direction in this episode without it. I won't spoil what else happens. 
uh, because the scene is is uh, actually really good. It's a wonderful scene. But let's say it works out and it doesn't. And I'm t- I'm referring to the scene with Picard and Agnes, not the scene where um, the Borg Queen tips over. Um, so we'll see uh, how that how that progresses in the future and how much Agnes is affected by that. Uh, the next is Elnor dying. Uh, since this is an alternate reality, I wouldn't be surprised if the writers bring him back when the timeline is fixed. I'm a little pre-exposed since lately Star Trek has been so hesitant to kill any character off. Seems like everyone who dies gets brought back. However, there was a scene where three people die in a row, uh, even Seven's husband. I hate to spoil it for you, but it's hard to kind of portray this without it without telling you that bit so the writers you know push the envelope there uh agnes is almost my favorite character in this episode she goes through uh the emotions and really pulls off a stunning performance rafi is just too much of a stone-cold fox and a badass i have to side with her she's determined and set on fixing the timeline after Elnor's death, it really inspired her. Seven of Nine, Cristobal, and Rafi are beamed down to Earth to get started. It's the third part. Cristobal really does a good job with a bad script. Uh, somehow, someway, he falls to what looks like his death. It looks like he busts his head open. He's bleeding to death. It looks like he's dead. Snapped his neck. However, he is saved by a clinic. That promises not to report him when he didn't ask or anything like that. Or he didn't make anything up. He didn't ask any questions about this and that. It was kind of just like she just laid it on thick. Uh, And it was a doctor who was not very professional. Quirky. um, But not professional. Didn't seem like like a real doctor. Seemed like scrubs. Felt like we went from sci-fi to sitcom. And this is what bumped the rating down on this episode from a solid four stars to three stars. That ending just doesn't cut the mustard, but uh, a solid episode, but only three stars because of that ending. uh, Number one, taking too long. Number two, uh, the, the scene wasn't, wasn't that good. So that's how I'll, Uh, frame that for you and when i return we will be discussing the three most important headlines from the week thus far and uh i'm gonna break those down to you um like rapid fire you know how we do here on the super show we don't mess around with it we get right to it so uh i'll be damn skippy if i'm not back in a jiffy we are back There was a lot of ways I could have went at this. There was a lot of things I had picked out. And it came down to it. Time to do the show. Time to put it all together. Time to let people know what I'm about. So I had to pick the three best. Out of the probably dozen articles I've read this week, I picked the three best. We're going to start with... Uh, justthenews.com, an article uh, right out of there, which I really like justthenews.com. You should really be checking that out. 
Uh, I, be- I believe I have that linked on the website, oddmanout.ninja, my website, where you can go right to them and check out their news. Um, because I just, I appreciate them that much. Uh, Boston Black Lives Matter leader indicted on charges of stealing from her charity meant to help poor kids. Wow, what a, t- what a title. Monica Cannon Grant and her husband Clark Grant allegedly misused hundreds of thousands of charity dollars. Written by Sophie Mann. This was just updated today, this morning, 11.32 a.m., March the 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. A prominent Black Lives Matter activist who in 2020 received the title of Bostonian of the Year has been indicted with her husband for allegedly stealing funds from an anti-violence charity for personal use. Good grief. Monica Cannon Grant and husband Clark Grant allegedly conspired to use the charity Violence in Boston as a personal bank account. The couple was indicted on charges of stealing donations that were supposed to go toward purchasing meals for the poor children. Help at risk young men and a variety of other charitable endeavors. Wow. Thank you, justinnews.com. Thank you, Sophie Mann and the team over there. Makes me think of the old but true adage. Crime doesn't pay. Be careful who you give your money to. These organizations asking for money. Make sure they're legit. Greed is the root of all evil. It's exactly that. Here's a group, the Black Lives Matter group organization. I don't know if they mean well or they don't. I I really don't. Um, They don't have a clear leader. They have a bunch of different leaders all around the place. Honestly, Black Lives Matter organization is set up like a inner city gang. Is that who you want representing you? Take a long hard look in the mirror you represent you and that's the bottom line can i get an amen on that amen all right this isn't the first individual in this group to find themselves in hot water keep your eyes peeled out there know who you're associating with i'm not saying all black lives matter group is bad not saying that nope i believe a lot of them want to highlight injustice and fight for a righteous cause. Actually, that's actually what I believe. Let's not let our causes mislead us. Let's look to God and the Bible, his living and breathing word. If we want injustice to stop, we have to stand on the side of justice. You can't cherry pick good and bad. Oh, this is okay. Oh, this is acceptable. Oh, because they're this way, that's okay. That's not going to work out for you. You will have to learn the hard way. What that is, I don't know. I don't know. I know what that's going to be. But you're going to know. Once you get away from God, can I get an amen on that? Amen. And with that, we're going to move on to our next topic, which is the second biggest piece of news I have for you today. And this comes from Coindesk.com. 
written by Eliza Grittis under the policy section. Headline reads, Ukraine Zelensky signs virtual assets bill into law, legalizing crypto. Ukraine has received 100 million in crypto donations during its war with Russia. So it only makes sense that Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky legalized crypto in this country, signing into a law a bill of virtual assets amid a frenzy of digital asset donations to support the country's defense against a Russian invasion. The law determines the legal status, classification, ownership, and regulators of virtual assets, as well as setting registration requirements for crypto service providers. The Ministry of Digital Transformation said in a statement just Wednesday, yesterday, the market will be regulated by Ukraine's National Commission on Securities and the stock market. Exchanges will be able to operate legally and banks will open accounts for them, the digital ministry said in a tweet. Okay. The state's body is tasked with shaping and pursuing a policy in the field of virtual assets, determining the order of circulation of virtual assets, issuing permits to virtual asset searching providers, and carrying out supervision and financial monitoring in this area, according to a February 17th government announcement. Ukraine has received at least 100 million in crypto donations over the past three weeks from people who want to support its defense and help fund humanitarian efforts. The bill passed through Parliament on February 17th after Zelensky rejected an earlier version approved in September 2021. The Ministry of Finance is working on amendments to the country's tax and civil code. So my thoughts on this crypto legislation are mostly positive, but it is a strange time to pass legislation like this in the middle of war. Key word here is strange. Um, makes sense in a lot of ways, like I said, and, and I do believe it will have a positive impact. It's a very progressive piece of legislation. And I don't mean that in a bad way, in the way we know progressives and liberals to be here in America and Canada. We need to know what his favorite crypto is. Zelensky, what's your favorite crypto? Uh, he knows something. Let's get to the bottom of that. We move on to the last, but maybe the most important headline out of uh, everything I've talked to you about. And I saved the best for last. You know how I do. You know how we roll over here, son. This one comes also from uh, justinnews.com. Sophie Mann, uh, she wrote this. Uh, this was just updated today. New Hampshire's GOP-led House uh, approves a bill that would make ivermectin available over-the-counter. And uh, this is very positive legislation. Similar bills are working their way through the legislature in Oklahoma, Missouri, Indiana, Arizona, and Alaska. Uh, so this is very popular. This is widely popular. Um, among uh, conservative uh, groups and conservative news outlets, and even among a lot of Democrats, quietly. New Hampshire's GOP-led House has passed a bill that would allow pharmacists to dispense ivermectin under a standard order, meaning over-the-counter. 
The sponsor of the bill, State Representative Leah Cushman, who is also a nurse, that's impressive, told the Epoch Times that she believes lives will be saved if human-grade ivermectin was able to uh, help COVID patients, if it was available for them, I should say. House Republicans sent a clear message today that we support expanding options for the treatment of COVID, she said. And that is, you know, that is very good. Thank you. Uh, the bill now goes to the state Senate, which is also controlled by Republicans. Um, well, they are likely to pass that and send that to the governor, Chris Sanu, uh, Sununu. And the thing about him is he is a very good administrator. He's He's a, he's a really good doer. He gets things done. New Hampshire's a little bit of a weird state um, because Sununu is running for his fourth term. And term limits are not a universal problem, is the best way to put it. They're a problem that is very rampant here in Illinois where we need strict term limits um, because of the corruption. But in a place like New Hampshire, an ever-evolving state, um, they have a a very interesting way of handling uh, their government. And it's not too different than other states, but they have their own uniqueness, their own, their own uh, qualities. And uh, there's no term limits, but the terms are two-year terms. So you have to get to work fast. Otherwise, you ain't coming back for the next two years, where a normal term is four years. So, yes, uh, you really have to get to work. And, you know, my thoughts are a lot like New Hampshire seems like a fun place to visit. Might be weird to live there, though. It seems like a very hyper-political place to live. And the, the Republicans are doing very well. They have a top-down control there. Illinois is the complete opposite. Democrats have a top-down control here. So states are being run completely different. Um, and the affairs of the states are being handled differently. Uh, but I guess Illinois is weird to about everybody. So if, if it's weird to live in New Hampshire, <laughs> they're probably looking at Illinois like, well, Preston, that's weird to live there. Take it or leave it type of approach. Um, this is this bill is really a jab at Dr. Fauci. Let's just be real. It's a good bill because when it's signed, it will have an immediate impact, uh, a real positive impact. I will add that. Um, Allowing people who are on the fence with vaccines to obtain a healthy alternative to boost their immune system sounds good to me. Um, I don't know who this doesn't sound good to. Uh, if you follow the science, uh, then you would know that ivermectin is a, is a great way to boost your immune system. Um, and there's uh, studies and research out there to prove just that. And it, it, Otherwise, how would something like this become so big and so popular um, this fast? So obviously it, it's helping people. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Preston Super Show. I can't wait to come back Monday when we have the Toonami recap and something extra special for you. But before I head out, I got a message that I want to send. And this is an important message. I am calling on President Biden's administration to give Ukraine what it needs to fight this war. To issue the no-fly zone over Ukraine. 
Mark this day down in history as the day you stood on the right side. We may have our reservations about Ukraine, and I know I have mine. However, now is not the time to let petty differences divide us. Russia is weakening. And economically and militarily, they are diminishing. They are being exhausted. It's time we exalted our friends in need here. Zelensky may not prove to be a great politician, but he's far better than Putin. Putin is desperate, and the use of chemical warfare is being tossed around too lightly, and I believe it's being used to spread fear. I look at the facts, not gossip. As an eternal student of history, I know the dangers and stakes of chemical warfare, and so should you, and it's not something to laugh at or something frivolous. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Preston Super Show. As always, I can't wait for the next time I get to see you. Just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. The Hidden Gem, before I forget, The Hidden Gem. It's a game. It's a game. You're going to love it. It's on the Game Pass. If you have Xbox, if you don't, I believe you can get it on PlayStation. I don't see why not. Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy. You could probably play it on PC too. But I definitely know it's on the Xbox Game Pass. And uh, Marty, uh, Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy is this week's hidden gem. So give it up. Give it up. And uh, God bless all of you. Thank you for listening. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy St. Patrick's Day. And... Uh, Stay true to your faith. Thank you very much for allowing me to to bless your screens today.